Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the ASIAL Security Insider podcast. And our guest today is Professor Toby Walsh. Uh, Toby Walsh is a professor of AI at the University of New South Wales in Sydney, and he is also a member of the CSIRO Data 61 team. Professor uh, Toby Walsh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on, John. Now, you are speaking at the Security Exhibition and Conference uh, later this year on artificial intelligence and machine learning, threats and opportunities. To give people a little bit of context around your presentation, can you maybe talk us through what you mean by, you know, threats and opportunities with artificial intelligence and machine learning? Sure. I mean, perhaps I should begin by by explaining what's the difference between artificial intelligence and machine learning, because people often use these terms and... and Think they're the same thing and machine learning is only a part of artificial intelligence there's a lot more in ai than just machine learning just like there's a lot more in your intelligence than the things you learn about you perceive the world you reason about the world and you learn about the world so um there's a lot more although you know a lot of applications of ai these days especially in the security setting are around machine learning and uh, the presentation is about the opportunities um, how increasingly we can do things we can um, identify threats using machine learning. Um, but on the other hand, equally, there are uh, elephant traps. There are uh, things to, to be concerned about um, when you're starting to use, deploy uh, artificial intelligence or machine learning um, in some setting. Yep. So there is a distinct difference between the two, artificial intelligence and machine learning. As you've already pointed out, machine learning is one of the tools within artificial intelligence. But one of the areas that seems to be of growing interest in the security industry, and it seems is going to have a bigger impact in the security industry moving forward, is artificial general intelligence. And I was wondering if you could maybe talk me through a little bit about the difference between artificial intelligence and artificial general intelligence. That's a good question. Yes. I mean, what we can build today is somewhat limited. It's a, a narrow form of intelligence. It's machines that can do, computers that can do one narrow task. So that. That might be um, recognizing people in a CCTV camera stream, or it might be translating Mandarin into English, but they don't have the full breadth of abilities, the full scope of abilities, the adaptability, the flexibility that humans have. Um, but we imagine there's a future at some point where we will be able to build machines that have that full breadth of capabilities, and we call that artificial artificial general intelligence, something that matches humans in all of their capabilities. Uh, it is worth pointing out, we are some way off that moment. It's not clear um, how long it's going to take us to get there. There's a lot of uncertainty. Indeed, I surveyed 300 of my colleagues as to when we might build machines that matched humans and their full abilities, when, when we might achieve artificial general intelligence. And, and they gave me a very wide set of answers. But the average answer they gave me, which is the title of my most recent book, is 2062. So what's important, you know, it's not going to happen on November the 17th at 4 p.m. on 2062. We have no idea exactly when it's going to happen. Um, but the important thing is it's 40 or 50 years away. Um, none of them were saying it's going to take five or 10 years. We've still got a huge mountain to climb to, to match humans in all of their abilities, even if we can build narrow, focused uh, machines today. But equally, most of them weren't saying it was going to take a thousand years. Most of them said it was going to happen in their lifetimes or 
certainly in the lifetime of our children. It's going to happen sometime probably in the next century, which is going to be a very um, uh, interesting moment. It's going to be a very um, you know, interesting development for society when we are no longer the most intelligent thing on the planet. Um, because ultimately, um, everything you see around you, the, everything, if you look around the room you're sitting in listening to me today, everything in that room is the product of human intelligence and ingenuity. So if we've got something that is smarter than us, then what can we do with that? That's going to be very, a very interesting uh, moment for human civilization. Um, and I should say, you know, it's probably going to be smarter than us. It would be terribly conceited to think that we were as intelligent as you possibly could be. We were, were of course, the, the smartest animal around when we you know, came out of the savannah, smart enough just to do the things that we've done. But there's nothing special about human intelligence. And certainly the machines that we can build today they can do those narrow tasks often better than humans. So the best chess player on the planet today is not a human, it's a computer. The best Go player on the planet today is not a human, it's a computer. The best uh, system for, for interpreting x-rays is not a human anymore, it's a computer. The best system for translating Mandarin tweets into English tweets is no longer a human, it's a computer. So we're, we can glue all those things together ultimately we should end up with machines that will be more capable. There's lots of reasons they'll be more capable. I mean, they'll, they'll work faster. They won't be as forgetful. Um, they'll be able to work 24 seven. So there's lots of reasons to suppose that they will be ultimately smarter and cleverer than us. So 2062 before we, uh, we get the Alan Turing singularity and then all of a sudden Skynet kicks in and starts wiping everyone out. Well, yes. I mean, the, funny <laughs> enough, there is, one of the sections of that book is entitled Why the Singularity Might Never Be Near. I mean, it is a seductive idea that at some point the machines will be so smart that they can just redesign themselves to be smarter and we can just step back and let them let them go on their way and become you know, much more intelligent than us. But there are some, I mean, there's no, no scientific reason why that won't happen. We can, there's no rules of physics that we know will be violated. But but equally, there are some technical reasons why it might not be so simple. And I do suggest in the book that the way that we'll get to superintelligence, the way we'll get to artificial general intelligence is probably the old fashioned way by dint of our hard work and intelligence to build them, as opposed to we just have to make them as suitably smart and then they can start improving themselves. Yep. Now, there's a, a thing going on in the security industry, and it has been for the last four or five years, where we have artificial intelligence and then we have artificial intelligence as a marketing tool, you know, where we have people saying, our new video doorbell has artificial intelligence. And it's like, no, that's not artificial intelligence. That's contrast-based video analytics. That's a long way from artificial intelligence. When we're looking at uses of artificial intelligence in a security forum or a security space, what does real artificial intelligence look like in the context of improving security function? Yeah, you're right. There's a, unfortunately, there is a lot of snake oil out there. A lot of people who are claiming to be using artificial intelligence um, and they're not. It's, maybe it's a, um, not even a particularly smart or sophisticated algorithm un, underneath. Uh, indeed, there was an interesting survey done in Europe of startups that were claiming to use artificial intelligence. And about half of them, as I recall, weren't, didn't have anything at all to do with artificial intelligence, but it did help them raise funds um, by claiming to be in this industry. So you've got to be cautious. But in, in terms of, you know, 
it's trying to get machines to do things that humans require intelligence to do. It's things that um, you know often require us, uh, you know, a moment's thought to to actually work out to ourselves. So, so for example, being able to you know recognize people's faces—that's something that humans do. That that requires our our brain power to be able to remember people's faces to to pick out different people, and that's something that you know people in artificial intelligence are working on. How we can actually make machines smart enough that they can distinguish between different people. Right. And so if we look at some of the current security problems like facial recognition or pattern recognition or object left or object found, you mentioned before that we're not yet at the point and we're probably some way away from being able to develop artificial intelligence that can work in a a general complex way. But artificial intelligence has become very good at solving single issues like shoot, no shoot. That is a person. That isn't a person. Are these some of the areas where we can see improvements in security? Definitely. I mean, we know that there are Know, lots of CCTV cameras around and there aren't enough people to watch all of the video streams. Um, and you can put some smarts and some artificial intelligence behind those streams and, and um, you know, see, oh, there's some suspicious activity going on on this particular feed. Let's direct uh, a real person's attention to see what is truly going on. But as your question hints at, the, the challenge, the, the problem with artificial intelligence today is that it's very driven by the data it's trained on. And it works well on those problems, but as soon as you change the problem, if you, as soon as you go out of distribution, you do look at it, something new that it hasn't seen, it may break. And what people don't necessarily understand is that it's not seeing the world like you and I are seeing the world. You, there's some wonderful examples, and you can find videos on YouTube of this, of um, what's called adversarial attacks, where you can change a single pixel, a single dot on the image, and it can turn uh, a, a photograph of a banana, uh, what's recognized as a banana, into a um, what it thinks is a pistol, or it can or it can turn um, it can it can turn um, a cow into a dog or something you know completely random. And um, you, your eyes are not fooled in that way. That single pixel does not fool you. So the machines are seeing the world in a very different way than humans are seeing the world. And how those systems fail and break are very different to the way that human vision fails. I mean, human vision does fail and break. I mean, optical illusions is a, is a catalog of all the ways that you can fool human vision. But computer vision is fooled in completely different ways. And so one of the challenges that you know we come with our expectations uh, that it's going to be like human vision and it's not. And it's, going to, um, it's, it's easy to fool in, in different ways that humans would not be fooled and vice versa. So then sticking with the the theme for a minute of threats within artificial intelligence and machine learning, and again, talking about, you know, adversarial machine learning, is it conceivable that, you know, if we had a system that was designed for facial recognition, so we have a one as to many database, um, we have a database of a, a million people uh, of which my face is part and the, the artificial intelligence is trying to determine whether or not I should be allowed into the building. And by drawing a dot in a particular, I'm using a very crude analogy here, by the way, but by drawing a dot on a particular part of my face that perhaps causes the artificial intelligence algorithm to misfire, it may potentially give a false positive as opposed to a, a negative. 
Yes, and people have done physical hacks of computer vision systems, facial recognition systems, where you can put some, you know, some makeup on or wear a pair of glasses um, and persuade it that you're someone else um, in, a, in a very robust way. So yes, you, you, these adversarial attacks, they're not just changing necessarily the digital pixels, they can actually, you can actually, there've been examples where people have changed the physical world in ways that humans wouldn't, you, you wouldn't say, oh, that's no longer Peter, that's Paul. But the computer vision system is now saying that's Paul, not Peter anymore. Yeah. But I'm assuming like anything else, the more we start to learn about these systems, the more we understand them, the harder and harder it becomes to trick those systems in that way because due to the machine learning, they start to learn the, the differences and learn the challenges. Yes, uh, that, that's going to happen. And indeed, I mean, it's some sense, it's a bit of an arms race that happens between the the adversaries and the defenders. Um, you know, every time that uh, the defenders get a bit better at identifying these hacks, uh, the adversaries go back and come up with more sophisticated attacks to, to, to try and find the weak spots again. So it's a continual arms race where you, you can't ever rest, unfortunately. Yeah. I guess whilst we're – the last question I have on the threat side of things before we move on to the opportunities is one of the things that uh, I guess we need to think about with artificial intelligence is if if we rely on machine learning algorithms to detect and respond to things like cyber attacks, for example, or artificial intelligence to detect and respond to cyber attacks, is it not even more important that those algorithms be protected from interference, compromise or misuse? Because – it's reasonable to assume that increasing dependence on AI for critical functions and services will not only create greater incentives for attackers to target those algorithms, but also create greater potential for success to that attack to have more severe consequences if they're undermining the algorithms that run the whole system. Yeah, certainly that's something to, to, to definitely worry about. I mean, it's going to, it is this arms race that's happening. And, and that's why, you know, I'm, I'm always, I always push back when people say to me, for example, oh, you know, one of the solutions to, to uh, putting, get, having more trust in AI systems is to have more transparency. This is a setting where we want, we, we want very little transparency because the more transparency people have as to the systems, the, the easier they are to be able to hack, in, to, to, to hack uh, against them. Um, and so actually lack of transparency is part of the defense you have. Uh, you know, we don't want these systems to be transparent in any way at all, because that only opens, invites people to come at you. Equally, you know, AI is going to be the only tool that will allow you to defend yourself against the, the volume and the speed of attacks that are coming at you. And especially, you know, in the, in the cyber setting, um, the, 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 this is the, the only hope you have of protecting yourself is by having increasingly sophisticated AI tools that can spot the good from the bad, that can that can deal with the tsunami of, of requests coming at you. Yeah. And so if we pivot then to some of the things that you're alluding to there with the opportunities with artificial intelligence, in your work and the kinds of things that you're dealing with at the moment, where do you see the opportunities for artificial intelligence to make a real world difference, especially in something like a security space moving forward? Well, I, I think you know, security is going to be increasingly focused on using AI as, as one of the things. I mean, what AI is going to have a significant impact upon pretty much every aspect of our lives. Uh, it's going to change the, the, the cost of doing most things. Um, you can replace humans. Um, you, 
it's an interesting conversation. You, there's lots of things that humans do today that you'll be able to get machines to do. There's lots of things that, that humans still will only be able to do, certainly till 2062. So you don't have to be too worried that machines are going to take all, all, all of our jobs. Um, but they do allow, you know, I, and the things that machines can start to do, I normally say, are things that, that we should celebrate. Um, the fact that a machine is now doing this particular task in, in your job is because it was dull, repetitive, and routine, and that's why I've got a program to now do it. And we should be celebrating that you're not having to waste your time doing those dull, repetitive things. You can stand back and focus on the more important things. Um, and so there's, there's, there's lots of things that people do today in a security setting and other settings um, where machines could take over those dull, repetitive things um, and let you, um, you know, spend more time focused, focused on um, you know, more interesting, more important things for the organisation. So given that you're saying that we won't see sort of, you know, uh, a more sophisticated form of artificial intelligence until roughly 2062, help me understand at the moment what we have is more um, pattern recognition or yes, no type functionality. Is that the case? And if so, how far away in your estimation are we from things like beyond simple pattern recognition to actual problem solving and then prediction? So a lot of you're right. A lot of what we can do is 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 in the realm of pattern recognition. But we are starting to build systems that can understand language, for example, that that can start to do limited forms of reasoning. And you can, you know, you can you know, lots of service spots that you talk to these days are often a little bit of artificial intelligence that can understand people talking to them and can direct those requests in the appropriate way. Um, and those are going to get more sophisticated. And of course, those same tools can be weaponized. I mean, that's you know. If you think, you know, phishing attacks these days, they tend to be incredibly primitive, they're incredibly simple, that everyone gets the same, um, you know, email that um, is carefully crafted to be one that you know, people will tend to open. You know, but we face a future, and indeed that, that future is, almost, is, is very near, in which you can personalize those phishing attacks. You can, you can synthesize um, much more convincing uh, audio, synthesize much more convincing video, you can synthesize um, very convincing text um, that is personalized to that person. And so you can find plentiful information about people. So lots of it in the public domain, uh, you know, lots of it um, accessible uh, about people that can personalize, you know, make spear phishing attacks that, uh, that are much more likely for those individuals to, to click on and then to compromise the security of, of, of whatever systems they happen to be using. So um, we're gonna see um, you know, AI being weaponized in, in that sort of way. Um, AI offers the ability to personalize the digital experiences that we have. You see that, you know, advanced organizations like Amazon or Netflix or whatever, they're personalizing your experience um, of their service with artificial intelligence. Um, you know, most people are surprised to discover that the internet you see is unique to you. It's not the internet that I see. I see a completely different internet, the one that Google and Amazon and Spotify and everyone else have worked out is going to be most appealing to me, using machine learning, using personalization. And you can do that at scale and at speed and at minimal cost. Um, and that's, those are the tools that are AI tools that are going to filter out into other businesses um, that allow them to 
personalize their experiences, your experiences of, of their services. So if I were to give you an example, um, let's say I am a large shopping center and we have a CCTV system set up in our car park. Are we at the stage yet where my CCTV system using artificial intelligence and machine learning is able to look at the patterns of all the people leaving the shopping center and traveling to their car and then see the potential thief wandering from car A to car B to car C to car D and go, okay, that compared to everything else I'm seeing, that's an unusual pattern of behavior. Hey, security, you need to go and have a look at this guy. That, that's, in, that's entirely feasible today. There are systems already that can do that. And, and yeah, because most shoppers, they go to one car, they open the door, they get in the car, they leave. Yep. So to see someone, and you know, maybe... Maybe someone, you know, goes to the wrong car and, and, oh, it's the same color car as mine, and then walks to a second car. But, you know, very few shoppers are going to go to three cars. Um, and that's something that you can easily e- easily identify today. Uh, of course, it's not it's not going to be 100% correct. There, there, there may be some, you know, some reason that's not to do with shoplifting or, or um, car theft um, that means that you're, you're, walk, you're walking between... Um, several cars and you know you've lost your car for example um but um uh so you can't do that 100 reliably but you can do that in a in a sophisticated way and you can then get ask a human to go and intervene and say okay find out what's going on for me yep and roughly how sophisticated i know that's kind of how long's a piece of string but how sophisticated or how far down that trail are we getting could we use that same theory where someone walks into a shopping center on a 30 degree day wearing a long coat and a beanie and the system looks at it and says yeah that's not right that's unusual someone needs to look at that or are we still a way away from that uh, yeah i mean we 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 it's not that far away, I think, is, is, is the good answer to that. You know, there, there are settings like that which we can do pretty reliably. Equally, there are other settings that will we'll make complete mistakes, complete howlers on. Um, I think it's important to understand that AI is still a pretty brittle technology. As I said, it will work. You know, we, in AI, we talk about, uh, you know, it's trained on a set of examples um, and it will work very well on things that look like those examples. If it sees something you know that doesn't look like those examples, as we say, out of distribution, um, then it may behave in quite unpredictable ways. So often it comes down to how good is your data. Um, machine learning, we take tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of examples that these systems are trained on. Um, and if your if um, if your new situation looks like one of the examples, then it's probably going to work pretty quite well. If it looks very different, then it's 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 very hard to predict how it's going to work. And and unlike humans, I mean that's the great the great strength of human intelligence is that we we we're incredibly robust. We don't we fail very gracefully. Um, if I see something new, if you show me um, a widget, and it's the first time I've ever seen a widget, I'll be able to tell you what widgets look like from that point onwards from a single training example. Whereas a computer might need thousands of tra- tra- examples of widgets before it learns that a widget isn't a seven-sided object. It's actually a particular type of nut. Um, and widgets don't always have to be made of metal. The widgets can also be made from brass. Uh, they can be made from wood. Um, but the computer, 
only saw the one example. So it thinks all widgets are seven-sided made from aluminium. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess to give one final example, I can imagine of where this kind of thing might be incredibly beneficial in the security space moving forward in the future might be being able to take multiple data inputs simultaneously and make sensible rational decisions. For example, if we look at a smart city um, in which all of the trains are being driven by artificial intelligence and we have inclement weather coming in and it's five o'clock in the afternoon and all of the buildings in our smart city are linked, the city of Melbourne artificial intelligence might look at it and say, okay, we can see from all of the elevators in the buildings in the CDB that we're starting to get people leaving the buildings. We know that there's rain coming in. We know that we're going to have an increased number of people trying to get onto public transport to try and beat the rain. So I'm going to bring more trains into Flinders Street Station to cope with that increased demand. Would that be correct? Yes. Yeah. That, and Indeed. I mean, there are pilots of those sorts of things where, you know, I, I know there's places where the um, elevators in, 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 in very tall uh, office buildings are synchronized with the subway stations nearby. Wow. Um, so so to, you, you know that the sub, subway train is just pulling into the subway stop. So in two minutes and 34 seconds time, those people are going to be calling for lifts. So you've got 17 lifts in this building. So let's start trying to position lifts at the bottom of the building to, to pick up those workers, to take them up to their office walls. Fantastic. Well, Professor Walsh, if people want to find out more about you or get hold of your book, whereabouts should they go? So uh, my book's available uh, from all leading bookstores. You can buy it in that place called Amazon, uh, 2062, <laughs> The World That AI Made. Um, and if you want to know more, I, I suggest you um, follow me on Twitter at Toby Walsh or, or, or look out from my blog, thefutureofai.blogspot.com. And of course, if you want to hear Professor Walsh speaking, uh, he will be speaking on Wednesday, the 17th of November at the Security Expo. You can find out more about that by visiting www.securityexpo.com.au. Uh, Toby, thank you very much for joining us on the program. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. It's been a pleasure speaking. And um, yeah, after that talk, I'll, I'll be um, around on the app so you can and um, any of your listeners can ask me questions personally, hopefully, if the technology works. Excellent. And if you would like more podcasts like this one, there are plenty in the ASIAL Security Insider series. You can find them on iTunes, Blurberry, Spotify, Google Play, and all of the other great places you find podcasts. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, have a great day. Great day.